I had to do an interview this morning for the, some history channel show where like my knee was touching the interviewer's knee the whole time and I looked deeply <laughs> in his eyes. It's very uncomfortable. Really? Dude, tell me yes. about that. <laughs> well, let me tell you about that. And then we had to reshoot it from all these different angles. Well, let's do it again. Well, yes, I'll oh, tell yes. you about that. I'm so tell, me, tell me some more about that. <laughs> That's what it was like. <laughs> it really was. So, Chuck, you turned 10. I'm 10 years old. How's that working out for you? Well, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that long. No? But I guess it is. I, I've never done anything for 10 years. Nothing. 10 years is a long time. Yeah. And it was just uh, right across the way here, right? I mean, yeah, it was uh, steps away from here uh, at the Golden Gate. No, at the Golden Nugget at the... Uh, claim Jumper restaurant? The former <laughs> Claim Jumper where my beautiful wife and I were sitting there uh, drunk after playing blackjack at the plaza and doodling on the Kino card while talking about uh, creating a, a, a no-BS website with no devoid of the PR crap basically real people telling their stories and things that happen and we you wanted to chatter about Vegas no 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 and we wrote a bunch of names on the back of the keynote cards and Vegas tripping because you're like tripping Vegas tripping Vegas and then ooh, then it's kind of like Vegas stripping the same thing so we settled on it, and then ten years ago today was I think it was probably a Monday. Uh, after coming back from the trip, bought the domain name and set up a hosting account and learned how to write PHP. Hmm. So it's been a uh, a crazy experience. Just the work and the fun and the folks. Do you remember what the first version of the website looked like? Absolutely, it was. Yeah. It was. It had a purple background, with a felt green center I, channel I where the cons, console information was, and a side navigation that was supposed to look like swirly blue carpeting. And Vegas tripping was written in the NASA font mm, over right. the top, and it looked absolutely preposterous. And I think that <laughs> lasted for about three months, and then it, it went away. But so. I, I would argue that like any great website, it's really like the community makes it so awesome with yeah. comments or the board. How remind me how far into it was it until you got those some of those community features added? Um, it was probably within a year or so. It didn't take long. It didn't take long. Once I learned how to do a uh, an insert and a select statement, <laughs> it all pretty much went. There was no registration. You could just leave a comment. That must so, have been good for spam. <laughs> well, no. No, there was no traffic. Yeah. So <laughs> only people, you know, it wasn't in in the hacker community. The spam bots weren't after us because we were too new to be known. But people would just come and write their name, and whoever they were was like their the honor system. Uh, that they were who they said they were, sort of. And we didn't have to check emails or anything. You should go back to that. Yeah, I kind of think maybe we should. It would make things a lot easier. But we get a lot of uh, posts from Zhao Zhan Ting mm. selling Louis Vuitton bag links and things like that. So Yeah, I've seen a few of those as well in my day. Yeah. Um, I, gosh, Dave, do you remember when you first discovered Vegas tripping? Like, I sort yes. of vaguely remember it, but it's not like a eureka like flash single moment in time for me. I got an email asking me to do a to do an interview about my first books of art in Xanadu. And I remember one of the questions was Bette Midler or Celine Dion? <laughs> like, who would you do? Who would you do? Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> and I said to the girl I was dating, I'm like, how? Because I'm like, what the, what the fuck? What is this? Like, how do I answer this? Well, just say your girlfriend will get mad. And that's like, oh, so you're my girlfriend. <laughs> oh, no, 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 she wasn't, but such yeah, well, is life. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. She's long gone, but the link, I'm sure, to that interview is around oh, yeah. someplace. You should go dig it up. And I kind of went into it, and, you know, because you, you know, I'm used to talking about the book in maybe more traditional venues, um, <laughs> people with elbow patches and stuff, and you go on a site, and there's a page called Wayne fucking Newton. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah, I think this is a place I'd like to be. So that's... 
That's how I got into it. Where, where did Wayne fucking where, where did Wayne fucking Newton come from? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Do you remember where Wayne fucking Newton came from? Because it's Wayne fucking. It's Wayne fucking Newton. <laughs> that's why. That's why. Of course you remember. Yeah, Wayne fucking Newton. That was the first web page, the first page really? that went on the site. So like, template was built and said, "Well, what are we gonna put up here?" Wayne fucking Newton. So there it was. How did you pick? I've never asked you this question. I don't know the answer. How did you pick your pen name? Did it exist prior to Vegas? Yeah, yeah, it exists. That's um, my buddies way back to when I was a teenager called me Chuck Monster. Gotcha. That's it. They always yeah. call me Chuck Monster. It's kind of modeled after uh, Super Grover. Okay. <laughs> I remember Super Grover. He used to put on the cape mm-hmm. and stuff and do his things. And I became Chuck Monster for whatever reason. Yeah. Excellent. And my car was the Chuck Mobile. Hmm. And, you know, silly teenage things that have stuck forever. Yeah. So, how do you feel about it now? Right? It's been 10 years. Um, it's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. It's a long time. You know, just like anything, any relationship, it has its ups and downs. It's times that are great and times that, you know, you just don't want to deal with it. But sure. uh, I, I've come to accept that. This site exists because I uh, because I love this town, and it expresses it when I am in love with the town. So when I find things that I love that fascinate me that I really want to write about, a curiosity, I write about it. You know, fortunately we got these great guys, the rest of them who who contribute also as well to, to round things out. So sometimes I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm not thinking about it, I'm doing something else, whatever. I don't need to force six posts a day about, you know, nonsense. So, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, I think, but I went on a, a site tour yesterday of the SLS site with Rob Osland, who's the president of the hotel, and he was asking me questions about Vegas tripping, and he's like, well, I haven't... Li- Supposedly he reads the site. That's what he said. Hmm. And he said, I haven't looked at it recently. What is being written about? And I said, well, you know, Vegas tripping is not like those other websites that just churn stuff out. Sort of stuff shows up when there's something to write about. So it's different in that regard. You know, I used to be kind of pretty obsessive in every single thing. But I guess as I've gotten older, it seems like information is... There's so much of it that I feel like it's more important to curate the, the ideas things instead of saying you know a an ashtray at Baccarat Pit 2 was emptied five minutes ago and here's a photo this just happened checked it out they moved the trash can three feet hmm. you know which is the most extreme version of right. what exactly and some people so, want that some people want that but yeah. like Ooh, look they moved that you know sort of has to also wonder like if yeah. you're feeding their obsessive compulsive disorder and you yeah. should not do that you're doing yeah. them a favor if you yeah. Do you guys want to know that, like, a trash can moved five feet? <laughs> I take that as a no. <laughs> About ten things you can only do in Vegas. <laughs> ten things you can only do in Vegas. Ten, ten things you can only do in Vegas. Drive Six down the strip. tips for uh, yeah. Yeah. doing things in Vegas. Six essential slideshows. <laughs> About four of my favorite podcasts. Yes, exactly. There's obviously a lot of that stuff on the web, and it sucks. Yeah. Sorry, people out there. Uh, well, I guess I will say congratulations. Ten years Thank is you. quite a milestone. So we feel free to give them a round of applause. <laughs> and all of y'all, I mean, there are uh, people in this room contribute in various different ways. So it's uh, yeah. an important part of the whole the whole thing. It makes the train run. Absolutely. Um, topics. Topics. Oh, shit. Uh, we have an event. Well, we have an event here currently, but we have another event that's coming in October. Um, the Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic 2014 edition. Uh, woo Thank you. Um, October 18th, I believe. Um, we are real close to announcing our uh, host property. So um, those of you that have been waiting to get that information, you won't have to wait very much longer. As soon uh, as we find out whether or not they're going to be bankrupt, yeah, then we're going to know whether or not they're going to be able to afford to do it. Yeah. So, our uh, our writer is pretty complex. Yeah, we asked for you know flying stuff in from the stage and yeah. the kind of complicated Chris Angel appearance. It was very expensive. <laughs> um, we'll have that information very soon. So, should be exciting. Um, other than that, I don't know if we have anything new on that front to announce. Um, 
there's all kinds of wheels turning in the background, but uh, we're marching forward. Forward. Right? Yeah. October 18th, date is locked in and firm. Um, so I know that folks can't yet, maybe can't yet make hotel plans if they want to. The 18th, just to be clear, the 18th will be the day of the main Correct, event. Correct, it's a Saturday. That's a Saturday. So Friday, yes. there's going to be some stuff. Yes, yes, good point. And Saturday, there's going to be some stuff. And maybe Thursday evening, there might be some stuff. And possibly Sunday morning, there might be some stuff. <laughs> So there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of balls in here. Yeah, <laughs> four balls. <laughs> lots lots of possibilities. Big air. So <laughs> it's gonna be fun, right? So yeah. uh, some of the folks in this room uh, have attended in the past, yeah. and um, we had great success in 2013, and we're trying to uh, go above and beyond, which is hard to do, but it's fun. So looking forward to it. Yep. Um, all right, topics. There was a very interesting article in a local weekly periodical that I read. Uh, what was on the cover of the weekly this week? It was like mm. uh, 10 ways to have fun in Vegas. I can't remember. I think so. I, the other periodical I was reading, which was Vegas 7, an article about the building of the Mirage, uh, written by our very own Dr. Dave Schwartz. Um, if you haven't read it, I would... Yeah highly recommend reading it it's fascinating uh i can i think say pretty safely that if you're listening to a podcast like this you really shouldn't miss this article it's really really cool some interesting stuff i learned things that i did not know about the mirage i think the mirage is interesting because it sort of predates a lot of the sort of modern fascination all this stuff that's been built since 2000 give or take has been really well documented by people like us the mirage was not in that category so a lot of that history was not, there wasn't, you know, somebody like me looking over the fence, taking pictures of it every single day as it went up. Uh, so it's, um, it doesn't exist in the same way that some of that stuff does. So it's really fascinating to get a look back and hear some of those stories. And of course, in this case, Dave, you got to talk to the principals, right? Yes. And you're going to give us a rundown in just a minute. One, one thing I think is interesting, because I've heard the same, uh, the same point from pretty much anybody I've discussed this article with, the idea of the small-scale uh, volcano that is on the property <laughs> on the side. And literally everybody I've talked to this article about was like, did you know about that? Because <laughs> I didn't know that. I've never heard that story before. And I was, you go and see it, and it's. I went there today to look at it again. I'm like, well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, but I just thought that was fascinating that something, a little interesting nugget was, um, was buried in there. But anyway, why don't you give us a little rundown on um, what you wrote, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. So my editor, Greg Miller, said, let's do a 25th anniversary story about the Mirage. And I said, awesome. But we wanted to get it out early so we weren't just rehashing everything in November and everybody's river, 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 river. So we got it out early. Um, I figured I wanted to kind of slow down. I could have definitely banged out 3,000 words just by going back and looking at the newspapers and seeing what was happening. But I really wanted to do something special. So I figured, well, I'm going to interview a couple of people. So I got in touch with Joel Bergman and interviewed him. I said, yeah, I really want to interview Steve. Oh, it'll never happen. So, sorry, for those that don't know, who is Joel Bergman? Joel Bergman is the architect. So, Joel, Joel Bergman was the architect. He was the head of uh, Atlantia, which later became Wind Design and Development, until 1994. So interviewed Joel Bergman. Very good interview. He's got a very kind of cantankerous exterior, but he's very passionate about what he does. So, it's very different talking to him between talking to him to, and talking to someone like Roger Thomas, who doesn't have a cantankerous exterior, but it was a lot of fun talking to him. He really got into it and was going through all these details. And I told him, my goal in writing this is I want Steve Wynn to read this article and say, I didn't know that. Hmm. And he's like, oh, that'll never happen. I then interviewed Artie Nathan, who was the, P, the HR guy who hired everybody. And if you've read the story, you know they had to hire 5,000 people, eventually 6,200, and it was a huge thing, and they did, they'd never built a structure like that. Basically, his problem is they've never had a place in Vegas where you had to hire a rainforest attendant. Whatever, right. Know, rainforest <laughs> there was just job descriptions that they'd never heard of. Right. So I talked to him. I said, yeah, I want to get something that, that Steve Wynn didn't know. It never happened. He knows everything. Then I got an interview with Steve Wynn on the phone. I just called him up and called up his assistant and said, look, I've talked to Joel. I've talked to Artie. They both said Steve would really like to be a part of this. And luckily, he was in town. 
And they said, okay, call them, call them at 10.30 tomorrow. Awesome, and they wanted to know what I wanted to ask. I said, I have three questions for you. The three questions were, let me see if I can remember the three questions. Um, How much do you like George Clooney? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite brand of tequila? Like, what was the biggest, okay, these are the three questions. What was the kind of the most surprising thing about building the Mirage? What were you most afraid of the night before it opened? And what is the legacy of the Mirage? Okay, so I figured it would be like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. An hour and 15 minutes. Wow. And in, when we're like an hour and five minutes into it, DeVoyder Butler comes in. He's go, oh, D, I'm talking to this guy about the Mirage. Tell him this. And then they're just going, so he gave me so much stuff that I couldn't put in there. He talked about how the Arboretum at the Bellagio, he came up with that idea while he was flying back on the flying back from Europe on a plane and he was reading some book which I forget which one and he just got this idea and he called from the air phone which back then was incredibly <laughs> expensive and had them start drawing this up and how he realized after it opened he should have put it in front of the reception not behind it he's just totally so I mean there's tons of stuff in there so that was really incredible talking to him it was just this incredible and then Mike the question about what did what it, what were you afraid of he told me this story about how Michael Jackson, before the Mirage opened, Michael Jackson came in and he wanted Siegfried and Roy to do a trick for him for his tour where he would, actually it's kind of like the trick from the Prestige, hmm. the uh, disappearing man, what do they call that, the Prestige, the vanishing man? Something like that. The transported man? Yeah. So basically that trick, the transport. he wanted them to do the transported man, I guess without the tank of water, but <laughs> what do I know? So... Um, they were talking about that, and he asked Steve, you know, he's like, this is something I ask of very few people. Is it okay if I ask you questions and interview you, and I'll just have it on tape for myself? And apparently, Michael Jackson would tape these interviews with famous people. And so somewhere in Neverland, there's a box for the tapes. What? And Steve said he gave, and what, that was one of the questions he asked Steve, is what are you afraid of? And Steve's answer is that he wasn't afraid of anything. Because by the time they'd gotten that far, all the bondholders had signed off on it. He was very confident and said there really wasn't anything to be afraid of. They were afraid that nobody was going to show up, but then people showed up. So that was kind of what they were afraid of. So it was really interesting. And the last per uh, two more people I talked to, uh, one of them was Bobby Baldwin, who was the operations guy who actually got it built. And the last was Alan Feldman, who came on as the kind of hired PR gun and then later came in-house. And Alan was really interesting to talk to because he was kind of the anti-Vegas tripper. He couldn't stand Vegas. And he, he grew up in, in L.A., never liked Vegas, just associated with kind of tawdry and negative stuff. And Steve and Elaine together converted him to the extent that he <laughs> left L.A. and moved to Vegas and spent the rest of his career here. So it was very interesting people to talk to. Um, Bobby Baldwin was probably... <coughs> My favorite one to talk to because he's so fascinating. It's kind of he's kind of like a philosopher slash engineer. Just hearing him talk, breaking down all this stuff, and very clinical. Mm. It's, it's incredible. Where Steve is so magnanimous and right. blah, 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 blah. and then I was talking to whoever, and so it's really interesting just talking to these people. I wished it, the story was longer. Like I, what I, I, my ideal would be like a New Yorker style, like twenty page. Super well, it was dense. longer. It was long. It was. It got up to sixty five hundred words, and then I cut it back to about five thousand. Yeah. So it was longer. There's a whole thing about Siegfried and Roy that I had to take out. There's a lot of stuff I had to take out. Some of it I just compressed. So some of the thing where we, where Win was talking about the Caesars and Flamingo and all that, he, I originally had his whole breakdown of each property, like what they were like. Um, but, but I, I kind of condensed that. But yeah, there's a lot of other stuff. So someday I'd like to do an extended mix. Yeah, for sure. I wish Seven or whomever would. No. Obviously, print has. But that's, I mean, 5,000 words for a feature. That's no, pretty, it, they did really it, good. So it's great. I just, I want more. <laughs> yeah. Dave, uh, I'm curious is this possibly a chunk of a larger work that we might see from you? Yeah, I'm thinking I'd love to do a book like this. I'd like, you know, I already have that, had that article about 1993 and those three openings. So I'd love to pull something together and uh, basically I just need access to people. Once they start talking and once you get people talking, it's a lot easier to write it as opposed to like, hey, we're not going to let you interview us. Yeah. We try to document our lives. So yeah, once, so yeah, I'd love to do more like this. I'd love to do something with Bellagio because that was certainly interesting 
It was, um, there's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of great anecdotes in there. I mentioned the sort of scale waterfall or volcano thing, but the top, the hiring stuff I thought was also really interesting just because this scale of hiring all those people at one time, right? And like you said, weird job descriptions for what they were used to and some of the techniques that they used to try, like they, you imagine that like there were no systems for handling all this many people and deciding who you're going to do. I mean... You get to a certain scale, and it's not like a normal hiring process anymore. It's like it's like an assembly line almost. You've got to yeah, you've got to be able to handle that massive scale. And Artie Nathan had some other really interesting to talk stuff to say about HR. Like he said, he was saying they had to work on standardizing things, and, the, and everyone else was like, "No, we don't. No, we don't." So they went down to the Carson Street Cafe every day for a week, and I think there were seven of them. And they each ordered an iced tea. Mm. So they had, so that's seven times, so they had 35 different instances of an iced tea. All different. And yeah, well, let's see, we got the lemon here, we got the lemon there, we got the sugar here. And that kind of opened their eyes, and they said, oh my God, you're right. So they have to standardize, well, how do you make an iced tea? Ace Rusty, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. Fucking blueberries. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's really interesting how you do that. So you imagine that kind of blown up on, on a huge scale with, all right, well, how do you fill a jackpot hopper? How do you do that? How so? Yeah, I mean that was kind. Of, that was very interesting. How you industrialize right. hospitality? Hmm. Uh, clearly, the Mirage has been a success, right? Uh, the story that you always hear is, you know, they had to make a million dollars a day or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, that there's sort of the lore that is steeped in the world, but there's so much other more interesting stuff. I mean, that of course that was a big deal at the time or whatever. But yeah. there's so much more, as your story sort of points out, that was just as interesting or more so. Well, the fact that nobody thought it was going to work outside of, of the people there. I mean, really, the people at Caesars and Hilton, didn't. they thought it was going to fail miserably. Right. And I just love the story where the guy looks out from Caesars and says, they'll never, they'll, they'll never open. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's interesting, too. It also speaks to sort of, like, just the difference. Like, today, with all of the information systems casinos have, mm -hmm. it would be they would discover far quicker that they were losing all their customers to some other place. Yeah. Right? At that time, they didn't have good information systems, per se. So it's like... There was definitely more of a lag between yeah. when something else would happen, an external event that would influence their own their own situation. So it's, like maybe maybe it came along at just the right time. And like Bobby Baldwin said, everybody was fat and happy, nobody cared. Right. They let them hire away half their half their upper management, and they just oh yeah, they're not going to open anyway. So what does it matter? <laughs> so it just shows you can't be you can't be complacent. Yeah, now, success yeah. hides problems, right? It, yeah, it becomes easy to ignore. Which is what what makes it tough when you see a project that you don't think is going to work. You know, it would be very easy if you said for every project it's never going to open. Sometimes you do get the fountain blue. Um, right. More often than not, you don't. So. Well, we're going to talk about SLS in a minute because oh. I have a feeling on this show I may have said a few times it's never going to open. <laughs> so clearly. Well, I didn't think it was going to open. I also didn't think the plaza was going to When they closed down the hotel completely, I said, well, that's a terrible sign. Yeah. It's going to be like uh, Lady Luck and never open. Huh. Now, that only took, what, 10 years? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I hope we get to hear more. Mirage has, a, for probably a whole bunch of reasons, a, sort of a special place in my heart. It's sort of awesome. Even today, as they've ripped out a lot of its, some I of its awesomeness, it still has a sort of magical quality. I think it still does, and I think there's just a vibe there that's very different. Even though people love Bellagio, people love Wynn, there's just a vibe there that's totally different that I think is really cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, anything else on the Mirage we should touch before we move on? I don't know. Any questions from out there about it was just a lot of fun to write. I really hope if you're anybody working in the casino industry and you have a story to tell, <laughs> I'm saying, hey, look, if you talk to me, I'll tell it. So, 1-800-THE-CENTER. That's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's what made the story. What I'm saying is I could have had a story from the newspaper archives with a little couple of insights that would have been okay, but right. having the people actually take the time, and it wasn't an incredible amount of time, but take the time to talk to me made it so much better, and that's... That's what makes it. So if you're in uh, casino PR and you want to have a good story, have your principles open up and, and be candid. And it's great. So, and we'll we'll give the audience another chance to ask questions if you guys think of something later. So don't don't worry about it. Something pops in your head. But it's funny. One of the things I actually have two questions. One of the things that we've talked about on this show in the past, I think, with some interview guests and even between ourselves, is um, sort of the loss of institutional memory as we lose some of these people whether they retire or in some cases maybe pass away or they just move on to other industries and the casinos aren't good about their history, right? We've talked yeah. about this before. Are you worried that this stuff is going to vanish? I mean, you yeah. have, in this case, you've got Wynn and you've got Baldwin and you've got these people that you can talk to. Well, I'm thinking I'd, li I'd 
I was thinking a couple of the things that would be good to write about would be the Excalibur. How am I going to do that? Right. You know, can't talk to Bill Bennett. Right. Who else am I going to talk to? Who's right. going to say like, oh yeah, this was so that's going that would be really hard. I was thinking about doing something about Park Place Entertainment. Mm-hmm. But who's yeah. going to want? Yeah, everybody in there too, is right? yeah. vanished. So right. yeah, it it all disappears. Indeed. So if you are out there, casino people, you yeah. you know you, you <laughs> might want to talk to Dave before you disappear. There's so many really interesting stories here, and uh, my fear is that a lot of it's not being documented. So. Yeah. Um, the story has a picture of the Mirage under construction. I have found it's actually really hard to find pictures of the Mirage under construction because, again, it's this sort of pre-internet era. There's like a couple that float around out there that you can find yes. if you Google for them, but not very many. As part of this research, did you find that there were there's a lot in archives, or there's not a lot, or what's the there's status? Some stuff. So you've got the Golden Nugget Inc. annual reports and all their SEC filings. You've got that. That's pretty good. Uh, we've got a good Mirage publicity and promotional file at UNLV, so that was pretty good. You've got the original news stories. Those are decent. So there, it's decent. I mean, you could do a decent story about it, but it just wouldn't be really special. Right. Well, Dave, thanks for writing the story. Yeah, it's great. Lots of fun. Yeah, absolutely great. Um, moving down the street, last night we went to the Cromwell. Yes. Which used to be Bill's saloon of fun and uh, Barbary Coast and Empty Dirt Lot. So, Charles. Yes, sir. I remember when we walked in, you said, wow, this place is amazing. <laughs> uh, why are you laughing? I don't think I said that. Oh. <laughs> what did you think of the Cromwell? You know, I actually liked it. Okay. I, th- I thought that uh, I have I had mixed mixed thoughts about it. I, I thought that it was, uh, it still looks like Bill's, but it's not Bill's at all. Right. It's, uh, it's clean, and the space, the space is organized really well. And it seems like they knocked out all the walls, they pulled out all the stuff, all the clutter is gone. And they filled it with you know, casinos and bars and that kind of thing, but but the basic shape of it is the same. Um, I thought the, the thing that fascinated me was that it looks exactly like the renderings. Exactly. The chairs are the same. Like, mm-hmm. I, I remember last night looking out over the casino. I could have sworn I was looking at the rendering. I'm like, the chairs, right. there's a video poker, there's the chandeliers, everything. It's all perfect. It's pretty uniform. It seems like it's a very cookie-cutter... But it's got good style, yeah, to a degree. It's 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 upscale. It's not too much. It was empty. There wasn't really a lot of people there. Yeah, several threads to pull there. Um, yeah, it was less full than I was expecting. The strip was busy last night. Yeah, um, the neighboring properties we walked through were very full, and mm-hmm. it was not full. Like it wasn't empty downtown Grand style, but it was pretty slow comparatively yeah. speaking. Um, so it's just, you know, maybe just one of those things where people have to realize it's open and they're not bypassing it like they have been for the last however many months. Mm-hmm. Um, space-wise, you're right, it looks exactly like the rendering. I mean, it's just, there's, if you, it, it's not one of those places that, if you saw the pictures and you haven't seen it yet, you've basically seen it. I mean, it looks just like that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, in terms of the space, of the stuff they took out and where and how they've configured the space now, right? So they, there used to be... Two restaurants, three restaurants, two restaurants. Anyway, yeah. in the back, those yeah, are gone. Gone. They're gonna obviously have the Giada restaurant on the second level, so they're gonna have that one restaurant, right. which also does the room service and stuff. So they've opened up this space in the right. casino. Instead of using it for other food and beverage or whatever, they're building bars and lounges, which is, yep. you know, in a lot of these places they're taking out lounges to put in nightclubs and whatever. And I was having this conversation with someone in this room last night about how, you know, one of the most common questions I get, people are like, well, I am, I don't want to go to a nightclub. I want to go to a lounge where I can talk to somebody. It's nice mm-hmm. to sit down and have a drink or whatever. They've got spaces like that. Yeah. Um, if one that was open last night that we sat in and one that's not open yet right off the check-in desk that um, looks like it's going to be similar. And I don't know if they're going to have, you know, entertainment or not, but they easily could. So it's kind of cool that they're actually using some of that space for sort of sit down loungy type stuff instead of it just being, you know, I mean, they are obviously going to have a really huge nightlife component, but they're using some of that casino floor space instead of building restaurants that maybe, you know, I'm sure would be fine, but I'm glad that they're putting in loungy stuff because I think yeah. there's, a, we've lost 
a lot of lounge square footage. We need to reclaim it. It makes me wonder, uh, between the rooftop party pool thing and the nightclub in the basement Mm -hmm. and the massive lounge and the big bar, Mm -hmm. if there is possibly too much space there for booze. Yeah. You know, like they might, they might eventually rip some of those. It's a Southern wine and spirits. Some of those other things out to, to start to diversify. Maybe. If you look at it, it's serving that whole stretch from Harrah's down to whatever, Planet Hollywood. I guess it makes some sense. Well, Hey, if you're in this demographic, you're right. Nightlife wise. The one thing that kind of, I don't want to say disappointed me, but it, well, didn't disappoint me. It kind of was what you would expect. Is that the casino, the selection of games and everything seemed pretty much standard. Yeah. And it just seemed like it didn't have, didn't they didn't say, hey, we might be doing a different demographic here. Let's shake things up. It seemed like, all right, we've got 30% stepper machines, 10% video poker, or uh, whatever, participation games. It went by the numbers. Like it's definitely it just, Total it was, Rewards Casino by the numbers. Yeah, which it, it seemed like they had an opportunity there to do something a little different, maybe that that more prominent stadium gaming thing they have down at Palazzo, just kind of, or something, just to shake it up. Would you expect them to do that, though? Because, because you know, those guys are known for crunching the numbers. They probably came up with a spreadsheet with yeah. the percentage that you said and said, in order for us to recoup the debt that we've yanked out to pay this, if we have this much, and we have this much occupancy, and we have this many people in the clubs over... This average number of days, then it's going to take Y to pay it off. Yeah, I mean that's probably is. They won't it make. Is. They won't make a. My point was. Yeah. That they. Why would they gamble on gambling? That's true. That's true. You know. Not very loveman ask. Yeah, I don't know. It'd just be interesting. I'll, I'm still waiting for them to do something with one of their properties where they really pull out one of their social gaming brands like Slotomania or whatever. Are they Slotomania or are they Bingo Gaming or whatever it is? I can't keep that stuff straight. Whatever it is, it makes, mm-hmm. according to their annual report, it makes a ton of money for them. Yep. And they've got, I don't know how many millions of daily users. So you figure, well, hey, out of those daily users, some of them are going to be coming here and let's give them something that'll be like, oh yeah. yeah. An app for, the, the mood an app for those kids. Something, yeah. yeah. So you, you would expect to see a little bit of that. Just like I'm surprised there's not more My Vegas stuff on the floors of uh, MGM properties. Yeah, like I mean, I see a lot of ads, right? They have a lot of billboard yeah. ads inside saying, go download this app. But, but that's about the extent of it. Can, right. Yep. Physical place where you can do My Vegas stuff. Right. Yeah. Trippy's award winning My Vegas. You have yeah. to use its full name. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now that the Cromwell is open and we've sort of seen it, right, what do we think about it replacing bills? So obviously that means. Uh, a loss of a sort of lower room product that was lower end that was more of a value product for people that want any really good location that's we're start we're continue to see that disappear um so folks that liked paying whatever they paid for their rooms there they can't do that anymore they're going to be more expensive at least in the general case i know some some folks had some good deals but um it, are we sat i mean for, at least for me bills never really engendered much like i don't care if it disappeared um, I don't. I won't really miss it. Uh, I was actually probably sadder to see the Barbary Coast disappear than yeah. than when it turned into Bills. That was more uh, more saddening. Do you, Do you guys care about Bills being gone? I think I got over that a while ago. Okay, little, little I'll, shed, I'll shed a tear for you if you want. I think, well, I, 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 think I can well one. It's up. good for ratings, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is the Cromwell going to be important? I mean, I, it's going to be interesting no. to see when the when the nightlife opens, right? I, I got to yeah. think that that's really going to be the Encore Beach Club of the Center Strip. It's going to pull in a zillion people. That will. Yeah. It's going to probably be super popular. I'm surprised they just didn't call it Dre's. Still, me too. Well, I mean, they he's don't on the own top, him, he's right? On the bottom. He's I know, but they don't own him. They, they don't want to. If they get a disagreement with him in ten years, they don't want to rebrand it again. This is something they control completely. Let's say they buy him out. They buy his brand. Buy his name. Yeah, yeah. good. Maybe he didn't want to sell. He has too much personal integrity. <laughs> then he doesn't get a hotel with his name on it. But the As, funny thing is, <laughs> here we are today. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you drive up up the strip north on the strip, you don't see Cromwell as a name. There's right. the Big Bally's Marquee, and you that's see right. Dre's on the building. You don't even see Cromwell. Right, that's true. You don't know Cromwell until you walk through the front door or you're looking at it from the other side of the street. That's true. It would be interesting to see what it would have been if the Voldemort people had got the hotel <laughs> going instead. It would have been a lot different. You think so? Well, the name would have been. 
Yeah. I mean, look, I don't think the renderings changed so much, but right. different vibe. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's a small hotel. I have sort of small place in my heart for what it. What did you think of the way it looks with that superstructure kind of it, placed on top of it? Clearly not ideal, right? Kind of I mean, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's you know, it sucks, but I don't, I don't think they have much choice to build what they wanted to build up there. Uh, it looks terrible, but it's <laughs> strange. And you think, well, why couldn't they put this up in one of the somewhere at Caesars and then rebrand another Caesars Tower or something? It just it looks really. It looks weird. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out exactly what's in there. Like, I uh, clearly it's structural support for the yeah. pool, but it's also got emergency stairs, stairs six, in it, and elevators six, and stuff. I mean, elevators. yeah, so six it's it's wow. egress ingress stuff for the club. That's pretty cool. And it looks like they're so. One of the things we talked about last time was like, if you're on that side of the hotel, you just have the worst view in the world. Yeah, which I think is pretty, still pretty much true. But it looks like they're trying to like embellish the inside of the walls, so it, you're not just looking at like a blank wall. Like they're trying mural to mural of uh, the North Star. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like that idea. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I would stay there, but I'm not like burning. It's not burning a hole in my pocket to so go over there and you know go back. It looks like a pleasant room. Small though, oh, yeah. right? I mean, it's you know in that era of uber small, four hundred yeah. square feet kind of style. Uh, Cromwell. Um, all right, so uh, going back this way. Good for radio. Going north. Um, I, As I mentioned, I took a tour of the uh, SLS construction site uh, yesterday. Um, so we've talked about SLS on the show going back very far from when they first started talking about redoing Sahara stuff to the whole EB-5 visa for cash situation um, up through, you know, as they've been... We there were you leaked trip Chuck you leaked a bunch of their stuff on the web and um, and uh, it's been going up. I know you toured it when how long ago? Two months ago, I think. Two months ago. So I'm sure it looks pretty different inside yeah. what I saw, which is a pretty much finished structure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, there, yeah, it was a casino big, carpet is in. Huge, yeah, when I was there, it was a huge room with nothing. Yeah, basically structural stuff. Right. Like, oh, so this is where it's going to be. The restaurants were a little bit more finished. Yeah. So I'll talk a little bit about some of the specifics, um, but uh, yeah. So got a chance to do a tour. Um, originally, uh, didn't know who was going to be leading the tour, but it turned out that Rob Osland, who is the guy that's going to be running the place for Sam Nazarian, was the one that ended up doing the tour. So it was great for me because I got to just ask him questions for like two hours. He was very generous with his time. Um, and for those that don't know, he you know spent a long career at um, with Steve Wynn, both at Mirage Resorts and at Wynn and Encore. I think when he left, he was the GM of Encore, the COO of Encore. He's I don't know. He's like second yeah. in yeah. second highest position at Encore. Yeah. Um, so he had risen pretty far up in the ranks there, and then he decided to to do this gig. Uh, you know, like I said, we talked about this property on the show, and I started out like basically saying no way in hell is this going to happen and of course it is obviously happening um so i would consider myself sort of an sls skeptic uh and sort of well it's interesting to sort of it has that i guess sort of the question for me is like has that changed mm -hmm. and i guess to sort of not to not bury the lead i would say some of the stuff i saw impressed me um i still see this huge problem with their location and I, of course, I asked that question, um, and they they basically say we're going to work really hard to have a great product. Which I'm not sure what else they can say. I mean, they're not going to say we have magical space shuttles that bring people in from the four corners of the globe. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of the answer they have to give, and we'll see if that works. But you know, the thing, and it's funny, Dave, because I remember when you did this tour. I think that this is definitely a vibe I got from your statements, and now in retrospect, it t really clicked for me was how candid Rob Osland was with me. Yeah. Like, I he, I asked him questions that I would expect to get dodges on or just kind of not super great answers about things that are clearly weaknesses. And he was very candid about saying, yeah, you know, we have a limited amount of money. We're, we're not in a great location. A lot of our rooms don't have good views, et cetera, et cetera. So we've done these things to try and, try and reduce the liability of those things. We're trying to be smart about it. It wasn't like, 
well, actually, people really like looking at the font blue. <laughs> it was, it was very, it was very candid about it, which impressed me because it just seemed very real. Yeah. So I guess what I would say, as far as has my position changed, still so much to be seen, and I am not at all familiar with the um, all of the food and beverage brands that they have. I know Chuck, you are far more familiar than I am, so I can't say if they're good or bad from personal experience. Um, but I was impressed by the people, Rob specifically. Uh, so maybe they'll pull it off. Oh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, and some of the stuff in the rooms uh, themselves, the designs are pretty wacky. Um, again, I think most of the stuff they've done design-wise is either because of space constraint or money constraint. Um, and uh, to, especially some of the stuff that they've done to deal with their space constraints as far as how they're organizing the, the bathrooms and stuff in some of these guest rooms where they really had like no space to do stuff and if people have stayed at like a west wing room at mgm grand you'll know how small those are which is sort of a similar problem right they were redoing these old marina rooms and they had to try and figure out how they're going to turn them into something they could sell similar thing at uh at sls with some of these really tiny original sahara rooms it's i think i guess i would say it's like given what they had to work with it it's pretty interesting to see what they've done. Will the market dig it? I have no idea. Um, they seem to be pretty confident about it, and they, it seems like the impression I got was they've structured the business capital-wise in a way where they don't, they're not the mirage that has to earn a million dollars a day mm -hmm. to, to keep yeah. it right. They've structured their finances so like they don't have to knock it out of the park every single day to survive. That was what I was trying to articulate after I got the tour, but I couldn't. I think also if you look at something else that happened, the uh, whatever, uh, Rock and Rio, Rock City, City right. of Rock project. So that's going to have 80,000 people there. Even that's improved their do, fortunes considerably. Even if they only do one thing a month, that's one weekend a month where you're guaranteed, you know, those, they can have $500 a night for those rooms, and you're probably going to get people in there to eat and drink. So that's pretty good. They're going to be the closest property besides Circus Circus to that. So that's going to be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he, talking about just sort of the... How, how do you make it successful kind of problem. I mean, it sounded like strategy-wise, number one is they want to fill their 1,600 rooms. So mm -hmm. like, if we can get those to a reasonable occupancy rate, that is, we're more than halfway there. Um, second, we're gonna play off of all of our brands, right? We have this built-in LA audience that knows these brands and according to them, loves them. We were gonna try and use those to bring people in. And third, they talked about he was relating back to his experience at Win and Encore, and he said one of the, the mistakes that we made at Win and Encore was we didn't have enough price points for food and beverage. Everything is above a certain level. A lot of people would leave the building to go to the shopping mall to eat. <laughs> like, that happened a lot. And so what they're hoping here is that they'll sort of almost have the reverse, where the people staying at Circus Circus, they want something a little bit nicer, they'll walk over to SLS instead of going to, like, the ghetto food court at, at Riviera or something. The other day, oh. The other thing I thought was interesting um, about that and a couple other projects, and we kind of go off on a tangent here, is it seems like the biggest influence in the strip right now is downtown. Yeah. Okay, so downtown goes to the park. When I got the tour, he said they were kind of, they were shooting for some of the downtown market, and I was saying, well, yeah, you need a shuttle, and you're kind of the waypoint, and he's saying, well, maybe. Um, and you look at the park, when I interviewed him, Jim Murren said point blank, you know, we love downtown, we love the link, and we love downtown, we want to have that vibe. So it's very interesting that apparently what they're doing here is working because now the strip is imitating downtown. Right. So I think that's a huge influence, just that general vibe, the smaller thing. He talked about that, that was another thing, they're sort of, the way that they're trying to focus, the casino square footage wise is obviously a lot smaller than some of the bigger places on the strip, right? It's like I think it'd be 60 something thousand square feet casino space. Um, and trying to focus that energy a little bit more, trying to make it feel more lively. We'll see how well that works. Well, the thing is, though, it's not 1997 anymore. You don't right. need 100,000 square feet of space. Right. You know, I mean, how many slot machines are being used at any point? Well, that's what he... It, we talked about this, too, talking about just sort of the utilization rate. And yeah. I didn't have these stats. Yeah. He said it's now... used to be like 40 50%, yeah. and now it's like 20%. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Because the floors are so big, and people are, you know, it's not as anywhere near as concentrated as it used and to be. And in the past... 12 years, Nevada's lost something like, I think, 30% of its slot machines. It went from 217 down to 190, maybe, 1,000. Mm. Yeah. So it's that's the trend. Um, even looking at MGM Grand, you know that area in front of the Ka Theater where you've got the Wolfgang Puck? There used to be a whole casino area. They, last time I was there, that was all gone. So it's just blank space. 
So they're take everybody's taking out slot machines, which is why the Cromwell surprised me. I thought they had too many slot machines. Yeah, I would have done something else with that space. So I don't know. I'm curious to see how it's going to develop. I I don't think that I'm in like the SLS target market customer customer wise. Like I don't like nightclubs. They're obviously going big for nightlife stuff. So I don't know if personally it would be the kind of place that I would like make a home casino type thing. Even if you know, obviously even if the location was a lot better, I'm still not sure if it would fit me personally. Um, but it does seem the vision seems far more. I mean, maybe that unsurprisingly, getting someone that is working on the project to explain it to you <laughs> is seems far more articulated now than it did before. Um, and I, I don't know how much of this stuff has been already that you've already leaked to the world, but like the separate VIP tower entrance and stuff that they're mm-hmm. doing, like they're going to be sort of doing a, a very similar to uh, you know like a tower suites type thing, mm-hmm. right? Where they're going to pull people off paradise and. And bring him in that way. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, there's a couple things that were sort of right in my wheelhouse. The rooms seem to have a lot of electrical outlets. This is like one of my biggest pet peeves of all time. Is <laughs> not enough electrical outlets. Um, and the other thing that he said that I loved, which I don't think they'll get a lot of credit for, even if it does work. But if it works, it's it's one of those things that should be table stakes, but it is not. It is just like really good connectivity. He was saying that both Wi-Fi um, and internet or and um cell stuff is supposed to work super great through the whole building they're working really hard to make sure that that's true if that is actually the case i will be that will make me happy because i can't stand it when that stuff doesn't work (laughs) so yeah it was really interesting um nice guy yeah (laughs) and you know talking to him you're basically getting just what you said about the separate vip entrance goes back to something that that steve wynn said to me about interviewing about the mirage that was one of the drawbacks in the Mirage, and Joel Bergman too, he said the thing that killed the Mirage was everybody having what he called the schleps, which were the suitcases mm-hmm. with wheels, and how they were kind of wheeling through the casino and it ruined the whole experience. And Steve's saying like, well, we had, you know, the Mirage was the suites on top, and then this, and that, we wanted to do something more intimate, so then you have Win, where you've got all the tower suites up and down here. It's very interesting that that's the same thing, and you have a separate entrance, and basically it's he's pulling off of that 30 years yeah, design and well, mm-hmm. and you know, SLS is going to be sort of elevators right near both of their two check-in desks. Obviously, that's a happy accident for them; like they didn't put them there, yeah. there because that's where they were. But they, I mean, they the SLS main guest check-in is where exactly where the old one was, and the, and the new one is sort of tucked in that cor- in the corner. Um, but yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, casino carpet is kind of ugly. <laughs> Ugly in what way? Is it a pattern? Is it loud? Is it obnoxious? It's kind of a. Uh, I I don't have my notepad with me. I think. Talk I, about colors. The colors was it? Well, it sort of was a cross between um, you know that like poker sculpture at Aria that I hate so much. Yes. A combination of that and like a uh, Jackson Pollock painting combined okay. together. It, it didn't. It didn't do it for me. Did you see the big life sign? It's not up. Okay. Ceiling. Uh, they're going exposed, uh, Just painted, painted black. black. Right? Yep, mm-hmm. warehouse style. Yeah, yeah. No lamps. Lamps plus. The they lamps had plus oh, well, so they had a lot of cool chandeliers in different parts of the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, the lips, those big lips. On I was the wall? I was looking at all those. That stuff wasn't in yet. I was looking mm-hmm. at all the chandeliers, and he was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "People, these people, people that like the people that I talk to, they like this stuff." And he was like, mm-hmm. "He thought that was kind of strange, but." Yeah. <laughs> What about the area near the Jose Andres Meat Restaurant, which is going to be kind of the high-end area that they'll activate at night? What's yeah, the casino. Uh, the way he described it, I think, was... Um, shit, I'm trying to remember exactly what he said. The Deuce meets... Uh, okay. That's enough. <laughs> That's, it's, it's like seven... I think it's like seven table games or something. It's a really small little zone. Um, to me, that I wouldn't be surprised if that's gone in a six months because he has a very specific thing when I talk to him where people will go they'll start at the Jose Andres then they'll hit this then they'll go to the club that sounds like one of those wishful thinking things where like they're trying to schedule your life for you and the real world is more complicated yeah (laughs) I I don't I kind of don't that that seemed like a like I said wishful thinking that Jose Andres restaurant is gigantic it is like it's a huge space um but uh yeah it was you know then they got indoor outdoor 
books on the wall, giant shoes to eat out of. Uh, none of that for, stuff is in is no? in yet. Finishing Mismatched touches. chairs, like does it look like a? No chairs at all. So it was really actually in some ways kind of eerie because the casino floor has carpet and all the walls are in and everything, but there's no gaming equipment at all. Uh-huh. So it's just open and they're putting in like a center bar in the middle of the casino. So that's sort of coming together. But other than that, it's like this gigantic open space um, with like all the wires hanging down for where they're gonna put in the security cameras and stuff. Um, so it is far along, but not. He said that I think a couple weeks and they're gonna have slot machines come in and stuff. So it's gonna, st- I think, start really coming together in the next, in the immediate term. Now, where do you think this will put Rob Osland? Just in terms of, is he gonna stay here and become the head, head, head of this thing, or do you think he'll get eaten by as like a post win guy, post? I asked him what. Yeah. I asked him like, why did you leave win? Just what was, you know, what? how did that go down? And it sounded like, as we all have noticed, the property, that property went through some changes. Like, between Stephen Elaine's divorce and Marilyn Spiegel coming in, like, they changed a bunch of stuff. And he was, and Pascal left. I think it sounded like he basically said, this is a good time for me to exit. You know, he obviously didn't get picked for the top job. And so he said, I'm going to leave. And it sounds like he sat around for a while. And then um, eventually he got introduced to uh, Sam Azarian and uh, the way he put it he did his due diligence like he said he spent a bunch of time trying to figure out if it was legit if it would work if the plan was sound and I, he came to the conclusion that it was um, he said that he didn't want to go work in China he's got kids he didn't want to move he got offers to do Macau and stuff but he didn't want to do it it sounded to me like he was pretty excited about it. It's, it sounds like he has a lot of input in the whole in everything. Like mm-hmm. it, I got the impression he really liked his job. Um, it could be that he was selling it well. I don't know. I, I mean, I have to assume that if the place does well, he'll be happy. If it does poorly, not so much. Mm-hmm. To me, the experience of talking to him and hearing Sam Mazarian talk tells me that if you want to excite people, have them talk to someone on operations. Yeah. Because I heard Sam at that conference, and I was just yeah, right. Reading. I was there with you. It was like, yeah, you were there, right? It was yeah. like, well, this is awful. I, yo, this is never going to happen. And then I, you know, five minutes walking around with Rob in this, you know, construction zone, and I can see it. Oh, yeah, this is, I can't see how this wouldn't work. So it was, well, it's also, that. yeah. for me at least, like, I'm asking him questions like, oh, is this furniture going to get bashed up and you're going to have to switch it out in six months? Like, I care about weird yeah. stuff that most people probably don't care about. Um, and he can answer all those questions because yeah. he's got all the stats. He's like, well, we think it's going to last 6.25 months, and then we have to change this. And, then, then, and I find that stuff fascinating. So I, I can imagine that – I have no idea if Nazarian knows that stuff or not, but I'm guessing not. And um, it would – so I think I got the right guy. Yeah. Side. I mean, it's always great to talk to someone in operations who's actually there and can tell you stuff. You know, you don't need someone at the other level who's dealing with the investment community or whoever. Yeah. Which is a valuable skill too, but it's just not going to excite most people outside of that community. They've got you know cool stuff. I don't I don't find that super personally fascinating. I think it's going to be similar to what we see everywhere else. They've got the two pools. Um, I, I know that we've seen this in renderings and stuff, but he talked about the multimedia stuff they're going to project on the building. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that's in his. He was saying it's very impressive, like very high def, vibrant. Like they're talking about showing the Super Bowl and stuff on the side of the building. Yeah, good luck with that. You'll get sued to do that. Yeah, so I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was a literal plan or sort of an example of the possible of this of the scope. Um, and I, just given how bright the Las Vegas sun is, it seems like that would be hard to do. But um, we'll see. Monday night football, maybe. Tuesday yeah, night football. Derby. Yeah, twenty fourteen simulcast. It was interesting. It was nice of him to take two and a half hours to show me around. Did he show you where we're going to have Vimp this year? <laughs> it all depends if they finish it in time. Okay. Cool. Well, tell me, email me. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what we got for topics today. Um, I don't know if folks uh, out there in audience land have any questions. It doesn't have to be on a topic we discussed. We'd be happy to answer anything. Um, and if not, that's fine too. You're not required to ask a question. Uh, no, we'll just sit here. <laughs> Uncomfortably. Through the magic of editing, we can remove the uncomfortable yeah. silence. What happened? I know they ripped down Bourbon Street. Yes. Was that owned by Caesars, or did yes. they use that, that space for promo? That's just staging for whatever they're doing. It's just I think empty so. lot well, right now. Is that the parking garage? Yeah. No. 
Isn't the isn't it's across the stage? Yeah, right? the the Bourbon Bourbon Street's farther down. Further down. Yeah, yeah, that's behind the staging. It's, it's kind of between the west and the west. that was a cool place though. Yeah, I remember go, walking through it. I went and saw comedians there yeah. a long time ago, but I didn't know if they used that space that was, for Cromwell or if it's just no. empty right now. Well, that was back in the days of the Harrow's the Harrow's master plan where they were buying everything up mm -hmm. in that area, and they bought up all those apartments. So yeah, they pretty much bought it up, closed it, and leveled it, and it's I believe just construction staging. Okay. Bourbon Street, yes, sir. All right, I, I've been at um, Downtown Grand for this trip. Um, got a lot of thoughts on it, but I'd like to hear a sentence or two from each one of y'all from what you've seen. What would you do to change it? Uh, I'm actually going to stay there next weekend, so I haven't just just. Not not necessarily the hotel operations, but but just you know walking through the casino. Yeah. You know, obviously it's dead. Yeah. It's, well, what what would you do to get people over there? Oh, I think that's clearly their main problem, right? Yeah. Is that they uh, everybody knew this going in that they had this location problem. I I think what was unclear was how severe the problem was, right? You look, you stand on Fremont Street and you look at it. It's like it doesn't look very far away, and it isn't. But that's it. mentally, it's like across the you know the ocean especially because it's like through this ghetto-ish alley and you'll probably get asked for change about 50 times and there's a toothless dude that is you know peeing in the corner um so it's not like a pleasant walk uh and i think even at night some people maybe are a little bit scared to walk that way even though i don't have any reason to believe it's not safe uh how would i get people there i mean i think they've got a couple problems they have no they have not a whole lot of control over that space itself, that intermediate space. Like, they have a sign or whatever, but if they could somehow be able to increase their level of control over it so they could put stuff in there to kind of move people there stage by stage, like, here's a... You go to the... And this sounds really gimmicky, but, like, a drink here, a free drink here that gets you to here kind of, like, bounce people back. Um, some kind of scheme to do something like that. Because the, the place itself is nice, right? Yeah. You go inside, it's like super polished and yeah. clean, and like it looks nice. It's so it's getting that those people over the hump. It's really hard. I'd say uh, two things. Building on what, what he was just saying, that whole walkway there, you know, right now half of it's covered with breast care, care, cancer awareness porta potties. Mm -hmm. And they have the dumpsters up there. Dumpsters, right? Whole, so they're using it for Fremont Street staging. There's an armada of of dumpsters and junk, and it looks like oh, there's nothing down there, right? So I would get that stuff taken care of. Tell in whatever polite terms you can to Fremont Street to find another way to do this because we're all friends here, and I do kind of like what Derek did, you know, just. Set up a stage down there and hire a big, good band, a professional group to play every weekend for two months mm -hmm. and have a, whatever, a music festival that will draw people in no matter what, to come out there and play, right? And once they get into the habit of going there, people know, they hear, oh, you know, Slayer's playing or any number <laughs> of, yeah, any number of, you know, somebody who's good, who's cool, up and coming or, you know you'll start to build a little bit of a buzz to have things going. To me, entertainment, make it a destination. Right now, just go in there to go walk around and look at play some blackjack, there's no reason to go. Well, so also, and I don't, I don't want to stomp on you, Dave, but the other thing, I have, the thing I've noticed in walking just there in the last few days is how easy it is for me to mock all the things they're doing. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that means that I'm yeah. not in their target demo, but I yeah. just walk through there and I'm like, this is so dumb. So yes. the barkers? There's the, there was the lady yelling into the mic yesterday from the radio station, like, please come inside. It just sounded so desperate. And this morning they were doing yoga, and, you know, they've we made jokes about Picnic before and the stuff they were doing there. I, I, Arts and I, crafts tables it, Maybe there. it's not correctly tuned to the market that is the downtown customer. So and what do you think there? Number one is um, working, getting some other casino hosts there who are going to get you some serious play. I think that's, that's a big part of it. Number two... Uh, a lot of the people, a lot of the principals in is it Fifth Street Gaming, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Are really deeply enmeshed in the Las Vegas community. So you've got a lot of guys right. there who have a lot of history in this town. Right. Draw on that, you know, figure, whether it's getting corporate gigs, you know, corporate uh, yeah. events there and stuff, just figure out a way to get people in the door 
once they're in the door, say, hey, yeah, you came down here for your corporate event. Why don't you come back? Here's 20% off dinner if you come back. And just basically figuring out a way to get to draw on that local connection because they do have, that's one, but yeah, I would play to the strengths, you know. As far as what you guys said about cleaning up the area in front of it, that worked pretty well for the El Cortez. They took that alley and turned it in the Jackie Bond way or whatever. Yeah. And have food trucks there and all that. Also draw on the mob museum. You know, right. obviously they're doing with the mob bar. You've got that. Make that the nexus. How about an arch? They kind of have that with the well, connector thing. Yeah. My, 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 my initial thought, when I'm standing down there and I'm looking down that alleyway, there's nothing that says, hey, this is open over there. There's some, they don't, they don't have a sign. There's no downtown brand sign that you see. Right. There are some, you know, banners on the side of the building, but they look like ads. Yeah. You look out, my mind tunes that out. That's an ad for something. Right. That doesn't tell me this is the downtown brand. That tells it's like me the Fremont East thing. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. There is no sign looking down that way. It needs a frame. Yeah. There's one tiny, in the little walkway, there's a little tiny blue sign up in the corner that says, like, downtown grand, open this way. But it's really hard to miss. It's yeah. tiny. I'm assuming it's the only space they could get. Yeah, from the average person who doesn't read Vegas Tripper and the website, yeah. you know, right. just comes down here once every two years. You don't know that's And it was closed for so long, so people yeah. were used yeah. to it being closed. This is a good point. So what I would do is I would take the management team, uh, give them two or three beers, <laughs> Start them at the Golden Gate and say, we're going to walk around and tell me what is going to draw you down to that property. Yeah. Put yourself in the frame of mind of the people who are down here and see what you can do. You know, what is it? Follow people. Don't even need to make the decision. Say, yeah. see those two guys? How are they going to That get crew of people, I'm going to follow them, see where they go. Got to build a like yellow brick road like the MGM Grand have when it first Exactly. Started. Or you can just send shills out to, uh, like they used to do in the old days in the old uh, bus stop rooms. <laughs> Some people have to, to steer them in. The SpongeBob's guys don't even go down there. Huh. You know, that should tell you something. <laughs> There's no hucksters down There's there no at all. For them. Yeah. That's funny. That's true. Absolutely. There's I, no shit, therefore no flies. Since they're not a Fremont Street Experience like uh, member, yeah. it, you know, it... Well, I was surprised to learn that California is a Fremont Street Experience member. Yeah. You so, don't have to be on the street. Yeah, yeah. But so I'm thinking, okay, California is. They'll pay the fee. So downtown brand, I think in my mind, should do that. You know, they should become a member because when they read that thing at the end of every show, please right. visit these properties. They're not up there. Yeah, yeah, they, I guess, have decided that they don't need to do it yet. Or for whatever reason, they haven't done it yet. Yes, sir. We're done with that topic. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, two questions. One for Dr. David. Uh, like you said, a book about Bill Bennett and his philosophy. Yeah. I read Super Casino. Which has yeah. a good half yeah. the book, right? That yeah. enlightened me, opened me up. Yeah. I was wondering what your thoughts were on that and his whole progression from Reno down. But then for the three of you guys, you touched on it earlier on your podcast. I think one of the demises in town, all over town, not just downtown or the Strip, is the demise of the lounge. The lounge yeah. and the good lounge act. Mm-hmm. If you got a good band, even if it's not my type of music, if you're a good band, I can appreciate that. I will sit right. there, get a drink, and spend a half hour listening to you. You're a good band. Yeah. What do you, I want to know what you guys thought about all that stuff. You want to start with the first yeah, part? Yeah, um, Super Casino is a pretty good book. I, you know, I'd like to do something a little bit more where you're really getting in depth and just sitting down with the people, pouring their hearts out about something that they care so much about. So yeah, it's a good book though. Um, as far as the lounge stuff goes, there's a good article in the weekly, I think two or three weeks ago, about the last lounge singer in Vegas. It's yeah, a really good so piece. Where he's at Boulder Station or something? Oh no, yeah, East Side Cannery every Friday at four o'clock. And apparently it's becoming quite a thing. So you, maybe there'll be a revival. I mean, that's a great thing about Vegas, is that you can, it's, it's kind of easy to switch the lounges out. And I hope they do come back, because that's something kind of unique. You'd have, probably have to put some kind of spin on it, I guess, but. It's just something you can't really do everywhere else. So. Some places seem like they'd just be such natural fit. Like I think Wynn Encore or Bellagio, and of course, they Bellagio especially had for a long time Fontana, where they did stuff like this, um, which of course is no longer there. Uh, it just doesn't. Why? Why aren't they doing it? I don't understand. Why it's I don't it's, understand. it's logistical. This is this is basically the a music industry kind of problem if you think about it. The difference between a bar and a lounge is usually live music, right? It's easier just to pop in, pump in the hits that people know that are current just over the music system. You know, you pay a licensing fee for the whole property. 
You don't have to have a sound system, a sound man, microphones, cords, cables, guitar players. Right, but then you're no better than any other places. Then you're not differentiating yourself at all. You then have places like Cosmo, where we're Chandelier, they bring in the live bands playing that does music that think, makes you think back to old Vegas, the lounge right. singers, the swing bands. Yeah. That, that vibe is great. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I mean. I, I would hope it would be a differentiator, right? That it would be a, a plus. Not, I mean, obviously it does cost more. It's more complicated yeah. to stage for sure. But now, especially that it's an endangered species, yeah. it seems like it's an opportunity. Well, yeah. you know, someone who's really capitalized on that is uh, the plaza. I was here three weeks ago for a week, and every night I walked in the plaza. Every night I was here and at least spent an hour listening to live music. I went over there last night for about 30 minutes. Had a great blues band in there last night. Um, they've got two spaces, that old putt-putt space, and then also... What a great of, idea that was. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, again, drunk people golf clubs, you know. Uh, and then across from that, like, there's another little against the war, war right. bar on the right when you come in, and they've had alternating live music. And, and like, not just the generic, you know, party band playing the hits, you know, like like actual original music and people like in there jamming and you know and, and then sometimes they have a band out front by that little beer garden thing too. Is um, the is the piano bar and the dueling piano bar by extension lounge music? It's mm, a good question. Because that's just participatory. People go there, they sing the songs. Yeah. See to me that's tip and they get drunk. To me that's karaoke. Well, it's not entertainment, but what yeah. it. it's diversified. I mean, that seems to have taken hold, at least in some places. The places yeah. that have it seem to be keeping it. So There's one in the There's one in the There's people standing on the outskirts of the room listening yeah. to it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Interesting. Bastards. I still can't believe Hyde is in the room. Rumble, rumble. All right. Any other questions from the, uh, from the group? Or are we done? Yes, sir, John. Chuck. What? Celine Dion or Batman Black. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll give you a third option. Rod Stewart. <laughs> Rod Stewart. It's gotta be Rod. You don't call him Rod for nothing. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I don't think we can top that. No. That's it. Alright, thank you guys so much for being here. Yeah.